So, my brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the nucleus of our faith. We celebrate the nucleus of the gospel. And the nucleus of the gospel is divine mercy. Easter is not one day. It's eight days. There's an eight-day octave in Easter. The culmination, the climax, the pinnacle of the Easter celebration is Divine Mercy Sunday, which is next Sunday. It's an eight-day celebration ramping up to the Feast of Divine Mercy. This is what the resurrection is all about. If the Lord didn't rise from the dead, there's no mercy. There's no forgiveness of sins. There's no confession. There's no baptism. There's no confirmation. There's no sacraments. There's no church. There's no many universities that the church and Christians have begun. There's no hospitals which the church and Christians begun. There's no outreach programs, Catholic charities. Imagine what the world would be like if there wasn't a church. There wouldn't be a church if He didn't rise from the dead. So who wants proof that Jesus is alive? Who needs proof that Jesus is alive? Look around you. Look at the church. Look at how many people are going to church this morning to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at all the hospitals. Look at all the nursing homes. Look at all of the Christians that care for the sick, the poor, the dying, the hungry. Just look at the world. Imagine our world without Christianity. Of all the love and all the charity. Where does it come from? Why do we do what we do? Who are we? What's going on? It's Christ. He's alive. The tomb is empty. The Lord is risen from the dead. And you and I are a part of this mighty army of God, this movement of God across the face of the earth. Pope Francis said, let's spread the faith across the earth. Let's set everyone on fire with the love of Christ. And so in our first reading today, It says, He went about doing good. Speaking of Jesus. He went about doing good and healing those oppressed by the devil. Everyone in the church here has experienced demonic oppression. You all, even now, at some level, none of us are totally free in this church. If we were totally free, we'd be in heaven. We're not in heaven yet. We're on on a journey from earth to heaven. We're on a spiritual battle. This body... I'm only in this body a maximum maybe of 100 years, and that's rare. I might be in this body uh, 75, 80, 85 years. I don't know, however long God wants me. I might be in this body just another day. I don't know. This body's temporary. This body is passing away. Life as we know it is passing away. The gospel today, the resurrection, the message of hope, the message of mercy, the message of life is there's more to life than just the time we have on earth. And we must, we must make it our central focus and our drive in life to live for more than what we are presented with just with our human material world in our eyes. You're here because you see more. You see more than just marble. A man on a cross. You see more 
than just a pulpit. You see more than just words in a book, which we call the Bible, the Scripture. You see more than just a building. You see Christ alive. You see the church at work, active, in sharing and living out the core mystery of our faith, which is the Eucharist. Everything we do points back to the Eucharist. Everything. And if that doesn't make sense, then maybe this will. Everything we do as Christians should in some way say, this is my body given up for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Notice that one scripture, right when the Emmaus story, when the apostles are walking and they, rec- they don't recognize Jesus, but their hearts were burning within them as he opened the Bible to them, as he spoke the word to them. Their hearts began to burn with a desire and they didn't quite know why. And then he said, you know, they're going on their way. Going on. He's like, well, why don't you come home and eat with us? Because they wanted to hear more. They wanted to hear more. And what happens? He breaks the bread and disappears from their sight. And they knew that it was the Lord. Every Mass, Christ is truly present on this altar. He's in the tabernacle, soon to come into our hearts, into our bodies, into our lives, so that we can go out through the risen power and live the Mass. Live Christ crucified. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. And when he says preach, he's not speaking of always using our mouth. He's talking about preaching with our lives. As I said at the beginning of Mass, mercy is love's second name. God is love. God is mercy. And so we hear this, God went about doing good. Jesus went about doing good. So what are we going to do? Go about doing good. He's in you. You, wouldn't be, you would not be in this church today if God didn't bring you here. And God's inviting everyone in the church today to decide personally to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, to begin anew, to begin afresh, to stand on the firm foundation, the rock. I am the light of the world, He says. Don't let your light be hidden under a bushel. Come to Me. You who are labor burdened, I will give you rest. Let the Good Shepherd, the risen Lord, speak to you. Hear Him. Harden not your hearts. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Listen. God's speaking to you now. He's mercy. He's love. He's alive. He's risen. He's very active in the world. So many believers gather today to worship the Lamb of God who lives among us, the Lord of Lords. And so... He's going about doing good. That's what you and I are called to do. To continue the work of Jesus. To live out the Mass in your marriages, in your families, in your workplaces. Wherever you're at. Live out the Mass. This is my body given for you. This is my blood poured out for you. The only way the world will come to know Jesus is if they see us love. And love's second name is mercy. We must distribute mercy first to those in our homes. To our husband, to our wife, to our kids, to our families, to our co-workers, to aunts, uncles, cousins, mother-in-law, father-in-law, you name it. We must be distributors of mercy. Go about doing good 
distributing mercy. Now here's the catch. You want to share God's love and risen power and mercy today? We want to do that. Yes, that's why we're here. We all want that. The key here now is you can't live the resurrection unless you share in the crucifixion. That's why Good Friday or Holy Thursday, Good Friday and Easter Vigil Saturday is called the Triduum. It's one celebration. You can't divorce the crucifix from the Last Supper. You can't divorce Holy Thursday from Good Friday. And you can't divorce Good Friday from Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday. It's one great mystery. We call it the Paschal Mystery. The celebration of our faith. The mystery of faith. That's what we're saying here. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord. And profess your resurrection until you come again. Right? We proclaim the mystery not just by coming and watching Father Michael, Father Andy, Father Shane, whoever it is up here, the Father Stillmonk, celebrating the, the Mass. You're not watching me. You're participating in this awesome Paschal mystery. Christ has established the Eucharist. You're the apostles. You're gathered around the Lord's table. You are here. He's breaking bread with you. He's giving you His body and blood. He's feeding you with food for the journey. Okay? Why? Because you have to go about doing good. And when you go about doing good, you're going to experience Good Friday in your lives. In your marriages, in your families, in our own. I crucify myself. Self-hatred. We all have that in us. We struggle with it. But that's not the end of the story. We die to the lies. Christ delivers us if we stand firm on that foundation. Because it says here, He went about doing good and healing, healing all those oppressed by the devil. We all suffer oppressions from the devil, the demonic. That means we have lies. The father of lies communicates to us. And then what's that happen? What happens? What happens when you tell a little boy or a little girl, you're no good, or you'll never do anything? Or God isn't with you, or mom and dad's not going to love you, or we're not going to help you, or, or you're never going to amount to anything good, or you can't do this, you can't do that. That little kid a little boy or girl takes that into them and it blocks them from living freedom. It blocks them from living and becoming the man, woman, husband, wife, mom, or dad that God's created each of them to be. Each of us to be. So we have to be delivered from evil. Delivered. We say it in the Our Father. Deliver us from every evil. Okay? So... The oppression of the devil, the lies. Today the Lord is <laughs> blasting away His light. His light just explodes throughout all of time and eternity. He wants to illuminate our minds and our hearts to recognize the lies that we believe and renounce them. I invite you at communion time to renounce the lies of Satan. Renounce them. We're actually going to do that right after the homily. We're going to do the renunciation of sin. Renounce. We're going to re, 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 renew our baptismal promises. Renouncing Satan and all his show and all his stuff that gets us messed up and, and prevents us from being free. 
So God wants to deliver us. Now, how does God heal us and deliver us from the oppression of the devil? It's at the bottom of the first reading. He commissioned us to preach to the people, testify that He is the appointed one by God who will judge the living and the dead. To Him, that's Jesus, to Him all prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him, <coughs> listen, everyone who believes in Him will receive forgiveness of sins through His name. Forgiveness of sins through His name. Love's second name is mercy. How do you be delivered from evil? To be forgiven of your sins is to be set free from evil. But to be delivered of your sins, you've got to see your sins. So we need the Holy Spirit to show us our sin. This is why I think sometimes we get a little nervous when we're in quiet prayer, when we come to church where we can't wait to maybe leave, because we get uncomfortable when we are seeing our sin. The light is shining. Somebody told me at the end of last Mass, some, they saw a sign. The forecast for today is God reigns and the sun shines. God is raining His mercies and the sun is shining. That's the forecast for today. God is raining on you His mercies. His mercies are new every morning and His sun shines upon you. Okay? So receiving the forgiveness of the Lord... Now we go to the Gospel, okay? This is where Mary Magdalene... Okay, Mary Magdalene had an experience of Jesus. Put yourself... You're you're Mary Magdalene. We are Mary Magdalene. We are the sinful church. We're Mary Magdalene. We prostitute ourselves out to all kinds of things. Food, drink, television. We give ourselves more to those things sometimes than God. That's called being adulterers. We're adulterers. We give our lives out to other false gods. We've sinned. We're like Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is an image of the sinful church. You and I. We are Mary Magdalene. You have an experience of Jesus and His love and mercy for you. You experience His forgiveness. You experience His forgiveness. And for the first time, you begin to live your life. John 10.10, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. So Mary Magdalene, she needed Jesus. He was her living mercy. He was her hope. He was her everything, her all in all. Because you see, Jesus was the only one that didn't see Mary Magdalene as a prostitute. He didn't see her as a prostitute. Everyone else in the town knew who she was. They knew about her lifestyle. They knew her sinfulness. And every time someone saw Mary Magdalene, immediately in their mind was prostitute. Sinner. But Mary Magdalene got tired of that. Think of how painful it would be. Society doesn't often give us another chance, does it? Your family might not always give you another chance. Friends, co-workers, bosses, teachers, coaches, they don't often give us another chance. Jesus gave Mary Magdalene another chance. And Mary Magdalene didn't just run to the tomb because she was like, you know, wondering what's wrong with the flowers around the tomb. or She was in her heart just hoping and glimmering with a desire that just maybe I could touch Him again. 
I could let him look at me again. I could let him see into my life again. I could experience the freedom of the gaze of Jesus again. Mary Magdalene had an experience with Jesus where she started to live her life through his eyes and not through the eyes of all those judging and condemning her. We all are in the same place. If we never lock eyes with Jesus, we can never be free to live our lives as God intends us to live our lives. That is in the freedom that God desires for each of us to have. The resurrection is God saying to you and I, I'm still here. Death doesn't have the last word. I'm still here. You can't kill love. You can't destroy love. You can't take love out. I'm still here. And for the last 2,000 years, Christians, you and I, believers, have locked eyes with the risen Lord and allowed God to tell me who I am, allowed God to give me permission, because see, when you know who you are, you can live the Eucharist. When you know the loving gaze of Christ, the merciful Lord, you're free. You're free. What's the Garden of Eden? Naked without shame. Adam and Eve were naked without shame. What's that mean? It means they were free to be themselves. To be the man and woman God created them to be. What happened when sin came in? Shame. What did Adam and Eve do? Hide. Mary Magdalene was tired of hiding. She was tired of hiding. She was tired of everyone else telling her who she was. Some filthy prostitute that goes around. She's hurting. Then she runs into the only lover of her life. The only one who could really look at her and appreciate and cherish her as the woman she truly is. Jesus gave Mary Magdalene an experience of the resurrection. She came to life. And how many of you have had that experience when someone loves you or forgives you, you feel good. You come to life. That's the resurrection. That's the power of Christ. Mercy is not human. It's divine. True mercy and forgiveness is divine. Mary Magdalene saw Jesus as the only one that would allow her to live her life. She needed His continuing touch, look, and smile, and love. Perfect love cast out fear. Mary Magdalene was again naked without shame. Meaning what? She discovered, rediscovered herself in Christ. And she began to pour her life out in service of Jesus. That's what the Eucharist is. Mary Magdalene started living the Mass. And you and I are called to that same kind of love. So deep down, everyone in the church here, deep down, we can't live this life. You can't be happy. I can't be happy without the gaze of Jesus. We cannot be the man, woman, husband, wife, mom or dad that we're created to be without Jesus. It's equivalent to saying a car can function without gasoline. Who here would love to just push their car to the church and back 
or push your car to the store, push it to work. Eventually, pushing your car gets old. Put some gas in it. Start the engine and go. The resurrection is the power. We are the vehicle. God wants to fuel us with hope. The resurrection power, the grace and glory of God, so that we can go forward living the Eucharist. How are other people going to know Jesus if you and I aren't the hands and feet that go out into the world and look into their eyes as He looks into our eyes? The gaze of love received is the gaze of love given. To the degree I receive His gaze, I'm going to give you His gaze. And then I'm going to set you free. And then as I set you free, you go set others free. And the gospel spreads, as Pope Francis said. We the, the renew the face of the earth. Everyone rediscovers who they truly are in Christ. You know, when you know you're free, it's not anymore pretending. It's like, I'm free. I'm free. I feel good. I'm free. The Lord loves me. I'm free. I'm different. I don't have to pretend I'm different and pretend to put on some show. I'm free. I know who I am. I'm free in Christ. Everyone in the church could reject me. I know who I am in Christ. And so all of us are called to this personal decision today. And this is what I pray for each of us and for myself. That as you come up to communion, whether you receive a blessing or receive communion yourself, make a decision today for Jesus. Don't look at the person coming up in front of you. Don't look at the, what they're wearing or what the next person might be doing or what this person's over here doing. That's not a time. Communion is communion. It's intimate. It's vulnerability. It's letting God look at you. Letting God forgive you. Letting God love you. And then going forth with that experience. And so as we continue the Mass, this is our prayer today. That we can be like Mary Magdalene and recognize we need Him. We can't live without Him. That we can receive Him with humility. Not because we understand everything, but in humility. Just receive Him. And then as you receive Him, to go out and give Him through your gaze upon others. Through your merciful gaze. Through your loving gaze. I'm willing to give you a second chance. Why? Because He gave me a second chance. Freely, I've received now freely you are to give. That's what Easter Sunday is about. Freely we receive. Freely we give. It's exciting. It's a spiritual battle. It's a mystery. So I just encourage you as we continue the Mass, as we renew our baptismal vows right now, to think about that. Make a commitment to Christ. Redevote and commit your life to Christ. And that might sound like, well, what do you mean, Father? Well, you answer that question. What do you mean? Who here wants to do that? You do it. You choose to do it. I can't force you to do that. You've got to make that choice. Every one of us have to. Catholics have been catechized, but not evangelized. There's a lot of Catholics that have been catechized, but they haven't been evangelized. They don't know what it means to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. We just grew up going to church. We go through the motions, but we haven't had a personal experience with Christ. And we all need to embrace that moment and say, Lord, I want that. Who wants that? I want that, Lord. I want more of you. 
And so let's stand.